Well, good morning. You know, it just seems like they're always there. They're there when we wake up in the morning. They're there while we're at work or while we're at school. They're there when we lay our heads down every night to go to sleep. They're even there while we sleep and in the middle of the night. What I'm talking about here are our thoughts. They can be focused thoughts on certain things, maybe certain people, maybe on the task that you're working on at that point in time. They can even be unfocused as well. For instance, when we're zoning out or when we're daydreaming. Either way, our brains are always thinking about something. Our minds are the control towers of our lives. Every decision that we make in our lives begins in our minds. It's often said that we are today, or what we are today, is a result of what we've been thinking about in the previous days. Scripture warns us in Proverbs 23.7 that whatever a person thinketh in his or her heart, so is he or her. What do you think about a majority of the time? What do you think about others that you know? What do you think about yourself? What we focus on within our thoughts is what controls us. How do you think about your spouse? How do you think about your children or other family members? How do you think about your job? The success that you have had in your life. What about the failures? What about your relationship with God or the direction that your life is headed in? It's no secret that we can't control all of the circumstances that we encounter during our lifetime, but how we respond to those circumstances are a direct result of how we think. There are many people in today's world that are in a place or a situation that may be unpleasant to them, and the reason for that can very well at times be because of their wrongful thinking. Others, however, can give credit to being in maybe more positive situations because they think it's a result of them thinking in the right way. But what determines what or how you think? Are your thoughts influenced by the Word of God or are your thoughts influenced by something that maybe you've watched on TV? Maybe something that you've listened to in your favorite genre of music or a podcast. Maybe it's the news or maybe something that you saw on social media. In 2022, professors at MIT conducted a study that showed firm results that individuals that use social media on a consistent basis were more likely to become depressed, or suffer from anxiety due to negative thoughts about their own body, their finances, careers, and other aspects of life due to self-comparison. They also found out that those who used or participated on social media platforms more than others suffered from negative self-perspective or thinking more than those who limited their use of social media or avoided it altogether. You see what? Ever we open our minds up to and we allow to influence us programs our brains to think a certain way. So how do we battle against these negative thoughts or negative self-talk? Paul explains to us in Colossians chapter 3 and verses 1 through 8 that we just heard that when we confess our faith in Jesus Christ, we die to our old ways and our old thoughts. We see this in baptism. When we hold those up here, when we lay you back into the water, it's you dying to yourself. And when we 
raised you back up from the water, you are of a new birth in Jesus Christ. Paul then tells us to keep seeking the things above and to set our minds on the things above, not on the things of this earth. You see, when we come to Christ, it is a new birth. It's a new commitment. It isn't just a saying that uh, we'll continue with our lives and just have Jesus be a part of it here and there. In verse 5, Paul continues by saying that we are to put to death sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idultery. And in verses 7 and 8, Paul reminds us that living a lifestyle with these aspects is no longer who we are. We have changed. Those things no longer have any place in our lives. Now, how does this help us today? At times, we can find ourselves walking down a scary path that has no bright side to it. It has no exit ramp to easier times or better places that we can see. It's just a dark road that seems to lead to nowhere. We hear from our friends and family members, hey, stay positive. Look at the bright side. Things will get better. And of course, we've all heard the famous one-liner, suck it up. And in a world where we are bombarded with negative newscasts and, and social media that causes us to compare ourselves to others and the pressure of everyday life, we can lose sight of the fact that we may not have control of all that goes on around us, but we do have control of how we react. And it's a lot like a baseball game. You see, baseball is a game of adjustments and reaction. You can't control what type of pitch the pitcher is going to throw to you when you're in the batter's box, but you can control whether you swing at it or not. You can control it if you, how you swing to hit it to left field, to center field, to right field. And when you do hit the ball, you can't control if the defense is going to make a great play on it or not. All you can do is your best. And in order to do your best, you have to believe in yourself. But where does that belief in yourself come from? If you come up to the plate and you've gone 0 for 3 that day with two strikeouts and a pop out, how can you keep a positive mindset? Now, let's, let's compare that to everyday life. You come home from just a crummy day at work. Your day didn't get started off on the best note because you ran late getting to work because when you woke your kids up from school, they woke up on the wrong side of the bed. They were grumpy. They didn't want to eat their breakfast, get dressed, get their stuff ready for school. And then you go to work. Your boss is in a bad mood. He's yelling at you. He's wondering why you haven't finished the work that he gave you yesterday on top of everything. Yet, while he's applying even more work for you and you feel the pressures of that, you then get home and you sit down on the couch and you just want 10 minutes to yourself just to relax a little bit. And what do we do when we get to that couch and we want those 10 minutes? We pull out our phones. We get onto our favorite social media platforms and, and there we see others that are what I call Facebook heroes. Pretending to have life all together and, and we find a cloud of negativity kind of thickening around us. And this is when the negative thoughts can creep in. You see, negative thoughts, as we know, are dangerous. Thoughts become an idea that you toy with in your mind. Then they become an obsession. And when it grows, it grows into an action. And before we know it, it finds our way into our daily character. It all starts out as just a simple seed 
And Scripture has many examples of negative thoughts that reap in action. We can look at 2 Samuel in chapter 11 when David is on the balcony and he sees a beautiful woman bathing. Her name is Bathsheba. And instead of turning away and, and doing something else, he stops and he stares and he entertains a thought. Then the thought turns into lust. And before we know it, he's committed adultery with Bathsheba and the consequences appear later in time in his life. In today's world, we can compare this to a simple thing as just lusting over a coworker or someone else that we may know in our lives. It begins just as a friendly conversation. Then the inside jokes appear. Then it leads to flirting. And before you know it, you're wondering how you even got into this mess. We reap what we sow. In everything we reap, whether it be good and holy or bad and evil, it all begins with a simple thought. So as a Christian, what are we supposed to do when these negative thoughts or worldly thoughts find their way into our minds? Well, there are four easy steps. I say easy, but four things that we can record in our notes here today that we can follow. And the first one is that we prepare. We prepare with Scripture. Romans 12:2 tells us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what it is, the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And when we look into the Old Testament in Joshua, chapter one, verse eight, it informs us, keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So we are to read God's word on a regular basis and take note of what it says, because the Bible is absolute truth. Now, how many of us here today competed in some type of athletics while you were growing up? Or how many of you are still competing in athletics to this day or coaching? It doesn't matter if it's baseball, softball, football, soccer, dance. Because in all of those types of athletics or or extracurricular activities, you have to practice and prepare before going into competition if you expect to win. I had an old American Legion baseball coach here in town when I was in high school, and he would often remind me and my teammates that, that there is no such thing as luck. He would quote the old Roman philosopher Seneca, that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. When we practice baseball or softball or other sports, we're preparing And when we study scripture and we meditate on it, we are also preparing for the competition. Now, the competition can be made up by situations or others that we might encounter out in the real world, people we know. But oftentimes the greatest competition can reside right here in our very own minds. And we have to remember that those negative thoughts about ourselves are not from God. They are from the evil one whispering it into our ear. You're not good enough. Look at you. You're out of shape. Definitely not as pretty as these other girls that you see online, on social media. So what are we to do when those thoughts enter into our minds? We halt. Now, halt is an acronym that many of us can relate to. And we must remember that when we find ourselves in a certain state of mind with negative thoughts, we are primed for an attack from Satan. First Peter 5, 8, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So what does halt mean? 
exactly what it says. When the negative thoughts and self-talk begin to happen, we are to halt and pause and go to the Lord in prayer and fill our minds with truth from his word. Now, I mentioned that it's an acronym, and this acronym warns us of times that we can be open for this kind of an attack. You can say, but Tyler, I'm a Christian. Satan can't put a hand on me. He can't attack me. Let me tell you this, though. If you open up your mind and allow the negative influences that surround us to enter into your control tower, your mind, you are opening the door so that this attack can happen. So what are those moments that I'm talking about? When am I walking around with a target on my back for such a thing? One, for the H, is we're hungry. Does anybody here ever get hangry? My wife has a sign in our kitchen and I bought it for her because it says, I'm sorry what I said to you when I was hungry. The second one is angry. When we find ourselves in a state of anger, we can say, think, do things that we don't mean that we can later come to regret. Growing up at times, my anger, of course, would get the best of me and I would say things that were maybe not the most proper. This is when my dad would pull me aside and say, son, your mouth is overriding your brain right now. Lonely. When we feel unloved or alone, we can begin to feel sorry for ourselves and like nobody wants to be around us. In today's world, we see this a lot when someone often joins a group or peers that turn out to be a horrible influence on them. Whether it be just a group of friends that they go to school with or work with or a gang or, or those who rebel against Christian values, it's because those groups with, have evil intentions and their goal is to make them feel loved and valued. It's like Satan is waiting in the wings with open arms, inviting you to come and join them where you will be accepted no matter what you do or what sin you commit. And the final one is tired. When creation was complete, God rested on the seventh day. He didn't need to rest because he was tired. He's God. He did this to set an example for us to follow. We see Jesus doing this throughout his ministry. And when I was a child, I would get grumpy and start acting up. And my parents would say that one famous line that all children hate to hear. You're tired. You should probably go to bed. I would reply, I am not tired. And then after some debate, I would be sent to bed. And wouldn't you know it, within five minutes, I'm asleep. In 1 Kings chapter 19, you can recall how Elijah prayed for God saying, I have had enough. He said, take my life from me, Lord. Negative thoughts, negative self-talk. Then what happened? Elijah rested, took some naps, ate some food, and it helped. He halted before the Lord. The third thing that you can do is remember that you are a child of God. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Romans chapter eight, verses nine through eleven says, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also 
give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. The Holy Spirit lives within you. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity consists of God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, three in one. God gave up his only son, Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh for you. He died on the cross so that he could come and live within you through the power of the Holy Spirit, which Scripture describes as being our helper. And it is when we have these negative thoughts that come into our minds that it is by power of the Holy Spirit that we can recall what we have read in Scripture and know who we really are. That is why it's so important to prepare for the competition by reading God's Word and meditating on it. The fourth step is to challenge the negative thoughts. This is a step that is used in some clinical practices, but it's also very scriptural as well, because in Matthew chapter 4, we see Christ in the wilderness for 40 days and he's fasting. And wouldn't you know it, towards the end of those 40 days, who shows up? Satan. Remember, Christ has been fasting. He's hungry. And as you remember from the HOLD acronym, he is primed for an attack. So Satan appears and he, he tempts Christ. He begins with him trying to get Christ to entertain certain possibilities, just to entertain a thought. If you really are the Son of God, turn these rocks into bread. Are you really who you say you are and who God says you are? And are you good at what you do? Or is this just a bunch of smoke and lights? Christ then challenges Satan's words with truth by saying that, Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. All right, says Satan. Here's another one. Because I don't really think that you may really believe that you are the son of God. So throw yourself off of this temple. And if you are who you say you are, God will send his angels and they will save you. Prove to me. Prove to yourself that you are God or who God says you are. Jesus replies that one shouldn't put God to the test. And then Satan tempts Christ just one more time. He shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and says, if you worship me, you can have all of this. This can be compared to when we see something that we want. We begin to think about it. And little by little, we become obsessed with it. We begin to lust after it and it becomes an idol. Man, if I just had a bigger, nicer house, a nicer vehicle, a brand new pickup, maybe if I spend a ton of money on my youth athletic team, on their uniforms and gear, and we practice 24-7, we'll win every game, we'll blast it on social media, and everyone will see it, and we will prove that we are better than them. We make an idol out of ourselves. We have to take note that when we think like that, we are putting ourselves on the throne instead of God because we love power. And boy, do we love to be envied by others. But Christ answers once again with truth from Scripture, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then Satan flees from him. Scripture says that if we resist the devil, he has to flee from us. It doesn't say, well, entertain the idea for a little bit and contemplate the pros and cons. It says that we must resist. So when the negative thoughts and negative self-talk surround your mind, resist it with truth. 
And the Holy Spirit will be the help that you need. Recalling just what God has said in Scripture and who you are. A living child of God. Challenge those negative thoughts with truth. Will you actually go crazy if you don't finish that to-do list that day? Will your spouse actually leave you because you think you're too short, maybe too tall, out of shape? Maybe you don't make enough money. Are those people on social media who pose that their lives are so perfect and actually better than yours all the time, are they better than you because they actually have all the worldly objects and all the likes and popularity? Tell me, where in Scripture does God agree with all of those statements that we can state to ourselves at times? There's a baseball movie starring Kevin Costner, and actually there's a lot of baseball movies starring Kevin Costner, but one of them that I'm going to talk about this morning is For Love of the Game. And in that movie, Costner plays an old major league pitcher for the Detroit Tigers, and this movie kind of covers his career over the years, but it also focuses mostly on a game where he's pitching against the New York Yankees. Do we have any Yankees fans here today? Okay, our prayer team will be outside following the service for repentance. I'm just giving you grief. But whenever Kevin Costner's character steps up onto the pitcher's mound and the Yankee hitter steps into the batter's box, he states to himself, clear the mechanism. And at that time, all the Yankee fans who are harassing him and yelling and trying to distract him get blurred out along with all the noise as if they're not even there. And all that the pitcher can see at that time is the catcher and his glove. I mentioned earlier that we live in a world where we are just constantly bombarded with bad news and sources that influence us to have negative self-image, which leads also to negative thoughts, negative self-talk. But in the game of life, we can control, or all that we can control, is ourselves and how we react. And we too can clear the mechanism. We can, by the power of the Holy Spirit, focus on truth and who God says we are. It's just like stepping onto the pitcher's mound and seeing just the catcher and his glove, but instead we see God and his word. A couple years ago, I was able to meet a former Major League Baseball player who was part of the 1985 world champion Kansas City Royals. This guy played years in the big leagues. And I had always wanted to ask a Kansas City Royal what it felt like to pull up to the stadium, Kauffman Stadium, to walk in there, the house that George Brett basically built, their best player ever, and call it his office. And I remember asking him that, and I had waited years to just hear the enthusiasm about it. But then he paused And I remember he looked me straight in the eye and he said, Tyler, what's it feel like to walk into the church every day, the house that Christ built, and call that your office? Sometimes we just have to change our perspective on things and center it on Christ. And we can see then those maybe negative self thoughts or words disappear. So the next time those negative thoughts come to your mind, what will you do? Will you entertain the idea and let it slowly take over? 
Or will you focus on God and the absolute truth of who you are and who lives within you? Clear the mechanism. Let us pray. Father, it is no secret to you that we live in a world that is full of temptation, negative influences, and sometimes those things, Father, can be enticing just because of the state that we are in. But we pray here today that you help us as promised. Focus on you and shut the doors of access to our minds from worldly thoughts. Help us prepare for those moments by studying your word and spending time with you. Help us be self-aware and halt when we find ourselves in situations that we can be attacked on. Help us remember who we are and that we are your very own children and that your Holy Spirit resides in us as our helper. Help us challenge those negative thoughts with your truth and follow your direction in all that we do. You are the way. You are the truth. And you are the life. And we cling to that promise, Father, as we pray all of this in Jesus' name. We love you. Amen.